You get a guy who has a knack for the football, and I cannot believe how many times he's knocked the football out of the quarterback's hands just in 2019. We are just putting pieces in place, not just for a run this year, but for success for the next few years. And I'm really, really excited about that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Minnesota Vikings podcast, episode 58, brought to you by Verizon, the network more people rely on gives you more. I'm your host. Cy Amundsen in studio with Jay Nelson and Chris Corso from Vikings.com. And boys, Verizon Vikings training camp is officially wrapping up. Final roster cuts are coming. And we are ending camp with a bang. Yannick Ngakwe from the Jacksonville Jaguars is officially a Minnesota Viking. And for a team that is commonly really well thought out with the cap and the situation that we're in this shocked me you know I know you know we all work at the building we all hear things I didn't see this coming from a hundred miles away and it shocked me and it excited me like a child I can't remember the last time not free agency what is it Jared Allen would that be when did the Jared Allen trade happen what part of the year Jay Jared Allen was a little bit earlier. I think that the closest you can put to a big name person coming in, swooping in right at camp, is at the end of camp That's was Brett, Brett Favre oh, in 09. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and but that one had all the steam leading up to it. But you know, I, this I am so excited about this move, and the Vikings are giving up a second round pick in 2021, a uh, a conditional fifth round pick in 2022, and I had a friend who was complaining that it was conditional. And I was like, dude, here are the conditions. If he is a first ballot pro bowler, it becomes a fourth. If he's a first ballot pro bowler and the Vikings win a Super Bowl, it becomes a third. Oh, oh, what a horrible situation. What if we win three Super Bowls in a row? Is it a first round pick? Who gives it? That is great compensation if it leads to such wonderful success for the team. But Chris, did it catch you off guard at all? I was amazed, man. I mean, it happens on a weekend. We're all kind of away from our computers, and and you start hearing about it, and I am so excited. Coach Zimmer said in his press conference this week, we have been looking at defensive ends on the market for a long time, which also shocked me because obviously the Vikings weren't able to bring back Everson Griffin, and it seems like this is a pretty good alternative because you get a guy who has a knack for the football. I, I watched some of his highlights and I cannot believe how many times he's knocked the football out of the quarterback's hands just in 2019. Before I came to work for the Minnesota Vikings and I officially signed a contract that said I won't gamble while I work for the NFL, I used to like to put a little money on the football teams. And I loved a few years ago, 2017, I loved the Jacksonville Jaguars all season long. And I've, I've seen this dude play I mean, he is an absolute monster. And Jay, I think the really interesting thing, you know, anytime you sign a guy on a tag, you know, it's a short-term deal. I know a lot of people worried about like, well, you gave up a lot. Can you keep him around? I think it speaks volumes that he was willing to take a, a nearly $6 million pay cut just to come here. I think to me, that gives me a little bit of faith that, 
we're going to be walking the right directions in, in terms of, you know, making him a Viking long-term. For the team, th- the fact that they can't negotiate because he hadn't signed his, his franchise tender uh, July 15th, it still just means that if he was willing to take that kind of pay cut to come here, it means he wants to be here. And if that's the case, then that means working out a long-term deal most likely is not going to be an issue. So I would assume given the parameters of what it took to get him here and the fact that, you know, he, like you said, he took that big of a cut to come here from Jacksonville. I would assume that a long-term deal will get done once the season is finally over. And, and per league rules, because Ngakwe didn't sign his franchise tender with Jacksonville before the July 15th deadline, they can't even negotiate. a long-term deal during the season, which means it won't be a distraction at all. We're going to play this season, and then we'll handle it. To me, I have no concerns about this kid's attitude. None whatsoever about this dude's attitude. And I'm going to give you the three reasons. One, you're not going to get a guy like Zimmer to sign off on a dude with those sort of concerns. He knows that he's coming in to buy into this defense. Two, uh, same thing with Patterson, the defensive line guru. They understand, you know, they understand what they're getting into. And Dom Capers was with him in Jacksonville during the 2019 season and had firsthand experience with him when he was already a little frustrated. So you have a guy that this staff trusts and believes in as, an, as a senior advisor with the program who I'm sure could speak to the character and talent, Chris. Absolutely. And the funny thing was Coach Zimmer and the Vikings played against this Jacksonville Jaguars defensive line in the preseason last year. And I think he had like four tackles and, and a sack. So he remembered having to deal with him on the offensive side of the ball for the Vikings. And obviously, as we touched on, the forced fumbles, 14 forced fumbles fourth in the league in the past four seasons. I mean, he just has a knack for the football and you you don't you can't teach that. Like that's not something that these guys Oh, Chris is throwing out that you can't teach that. You can't. I mean, you got a hot take coming when Chris starts throwing out that you can't teach that. And I have to say, there's one guy I thought of player comparison throwing it out there that he reminds me of. Brandon Graham who always killed the Vikings over the past couple years, a shorter uh, defensive end who's quick to the quarterback, killed us in the the big game in the NFC Championship a few years ago. Hate to bring it up, but this guy's the same way. He's not as tall as a Daniil Hunter standing at 6'2", but he has that quickness, and he gets to the quarterback, and as I said, the knack for the football. Yeah, and, and, and now it puts us with three top-tier players at each level of the defense. You have 25-year-old bookend superstar defensive ends in Hunter and Ngakwe, Barr and Kendricks at linebacker, Smith and Harris at safety. Uh, Jay, you hear some people say that, you know, you can run at him. That's something I've heard. You can run at him. But is this a huge opportunity for him and for our team, given the development abilities of Andre Patterson? I mean – Three, four years ago, there were different holes in uh, in Daniil Hunter's game. And, and we've seen those come leap and bounds under uh, Andre Patterson. We saw the same thing with Everson Griffin. I mean, I don't even think that, you know, you get him in a system with great coaches like this. I think you're talking about where he's at now is a baseline for where he can be at. And that's the scary thing to me is that uh, I've heard discussions on different media outlets where they've been talking about him and saying, well, sometimes there's a question on motor, et cetera, et cetera. But what everyone has pointed at is the fact that Andre Patterson is going to be his mentor 
and what they're excited about is what they've already seen. So if, if there's the feeling that where he was in Jacksonville and what he's done so far and put on film is what the baseline is, then what are we talking about if Andre Patterson gets a hold of him and, and starts to mold him over the next two, three seasons? I mean, if you're talking about having a guy like him and Hunter with a Fadi and then a DJ Wonham or some of these other guys that are that are fighting for that defensive end position, I mean, good Lord, you are talking about some serious, serious pressure coming off those edges and really making quarterbacks have to think twice when they drop back to pass. Absolutely. And, I, you know, that was the one thing that I thought about immediately because we were all really excited for a, a Fadi this season. But, you know, as much as you might not see him getting the same reps you saw him getting before this trade happened, I think you have to look at it this way. Afadi's a young guy. He's flashed really hard. And I, I think back to when we had uh, – when Everson Griffith and Jared Allen were both on the line, you know and you get a young Daniil Hunter getting a chance. Ifadi is not going to be lost on this team. The dude is an absolute monster. And, and if you look at the, the, the levels of success for different defenses in this league, these defenses that can rotate athletic, strong, impressive defense. Look at what San Francisco did last year. I know the Washington football team hasn't had uh, great success recently, but their strength and their strength this year will be that rotational defensive line. And, and so to me, this is, you know, I'm a big Afadi fan, but to have these guys up top and then bringing guys like Afadi and whoever wins those other battles, to me, that's, that's the strength of this trade. You, you're adding a superstar and then everything that clicks down one level is actually an, an, an increase at that level. I sound like a stuttering, a stuttering maniac, Chris. For some reason, I can't like... I am mush mousing. Listen, I'm falling apart. I'm falling apart because I'm excited. Take it away, Chris. Let me help you out. I, I, Never. one thing, Never. <laughs> another thing Coach Zimmer said this week, he's like, don't forget, Afadi can move to the inside and he can play at that defensive tackle position. So that's another place where I see Afadi making some, some, some hay, if you want to call it. And I keep pointing this out. I'm excited for this year. I'm enthused for this year. But I keep talking about next year as well. Next year, Michael Pierce will be back. We are just putting pieces in place, not just for a run this year, but for success for the next few years. And I'm really, really excited about that. Yeah. Also, you forget, like, Stephen Weatherly was there last year. Everson Griffin was there last year. Daniil Hunter was there last year. And Afadi still had six sacks. So, I, I mean, just what Andre Patterson said this week, he goes, you know what, media, Chris Thomason, who obviously has to bring up the issue of Afadi's playing time, he says, you can never have too many pass rushers. You, you literally can never have too many pass rushers. I don't know who would disagree with that statement. What if, what, what, what if the Vikings just had 53 pass rushers, Chris? What would you think about that? I think Coach Zimmer would, like, smile at night. He'd have great sleep. He'd probably have a nice glass of wine and, and sleep like a baby. And at quarterback, we have the newest Bosa brother. <laughs> Jay, Riley Reef, uh, quickly after the signing, became a subject of those same sort of news reports. Uh, you know, I think there was a little bit of concern. There, there might be a restructure on the table. How interested is he? All these stories went flying. And then he agrees to return under a restructured deal. We get to keep him on the team, which... For me personally, it's a huge, huge relief because I'm looking for that line to take a step forward and for them to take a big step forward, keeping a veteran there who's played well. Now, he might not be the number one left tackle in the NFL the last three seasons, 
but he's really done his job. He's really protected Kirk and he's really, really helped out a young group of guys and keeping that sort of stability around for me is a really big deal. And and it's a yeoman's work for a guy like Riley Reef, who he he shows up to the locker room. He's a captain. He speaks when he needs to, but his play is what is solid for that offensive line. And as a, an offensive line, that's been getting retooled and reworked over and over again. And, and since he's been here from Detroit, he's been that rock on that offensive line. So I, th- I think it says a lot, again, similar to Unique and Gakwe taking less money, wanting to be here. I think for a guy like Riley, I'm, I'm sure it's difficult when you go through all this stuff and you're dealing with the business side of this. But when you have guys like Adam Thielen and, and other veterans who are saying Riley is one of those guys in the locker room that when he speaks, we listen and we understand the business side versus the personal side. But players are excited to have him be back on this roster because they know what he brings. And I think having a veteran like him on that offensive line is only going to help those young guys that are still developing to, to solidify and gel into a top tier offensive line. Well, and if you look at the sort of uh, quarterback that Kirk cousins is, and this isn't taking a shot, this is just an honest assessment. Pressure up the middle is always a very difficult thing for him. And so that's where a lot of our youth is. That's where we got new guys and new positions, a second year center, Elfline's moving over again, new guy at left guard. So as you're dealing with all that and trying to make all of it work and trying to be successful in the area where your quarterback really doesn't like pressure, it would have been a really, really difficult situation to have to shift and also be transitioning and also be making moves and also be vulnerable at the left tackle spot. Having our tackle short up again, I don't know that Riley Reef is going to be the the number one Pro Bowl vote getter at left tackle this year. I'm not going to make some ridiculous statement that then he has to go out and back up. But I think he's a damn good tackle. And he and Brian O'Neill have those sides shored up so we can really allow that middle to grow. And, re- and, and when you get into the play action game and the things that we want to do, I don't want to go over the top, but it's it's a really – Really, really big deal, Chris. Yeah, you wouldn't think when a guy who literally never talks to the media and quiet when he leaves the building for like 24 hours, so many people would notice. But you have Adam Thielen calling it out this week that that they missed his presence for one day. Kirk Cousins says if you didn't have him, it would be a weird feeling. I mean, he clearly has this sort of presence. I mean, he was a captain last year for the offense. So uh, it's it's definitely... I think he talks a little bit more inside the meeting rooms than he does to the media. It's probably a good thing. Yes, but I would the, guess so. <laughs> the The presence is felt by his by his Vikings teammates. Absolutely, Chris. Well, let's uh, let's zero in on one of those teammates to be specific here as we transition, uh, Mister Mankato. The title given to. Uh, the Viking, the unknown Viking that comes in and surprises in camp. Now there's criteria, blah, 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 blah. We're not going to get into all that. I just want to get into who, who, now that camp is winding down and nearly over, who is your Mr. Mankato? Who's your guy that, that is a rookie or a never played before guy that came in that should walk away with that title? Chris. For me, it's an easy one. I noticed Mike Zimmer say this guy's name early in camp in a press conference. And he said, I can't wait to see Alexander Hollins out there. And I said, what? And then I started watching our highlights and seeing all the great footage that all our our videographers do at, at the VEN. And you see this guy just making big play after big play. 
using his speed, using his 160-pound frame to get open. It's unbelievable what this guy has done. And, and you talk about undrafted. He was an undrafted free agent, and he is probably a name that most Vikings fans have never heard of. But at U.S. Bank Stadium, he goes deep and catches a pass from Kirk Cousins. So I don't know how it can be anyone else other than Alexander Hollins if he makes the roster. And I, I love Hollins because, and that's probably what my pick is too, Chris. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if Jay can sway me at all. But just by stature, he's an underdog. He's just 166 pounds. Uh, you know, he, he's slight in frame, but he is fast. And I think something like 71 total snaps last year, but 48 of those came in a pointless Week 17 game versus Chicago. For him to come in and look – I think the best way to say it is he's looked like a pro. He has come in and in a world filled with receivers that this community and organization is excited about, he walked into camp and has looked like an absolute pro the entire time. For me, it, it's hard because – I think he's definitely stood out, but there's another person who's been around a little bit and is in a position where there are a couple people ahead of him that get all of the headlines, and he has made play after play after play during this camp. And who I'm talking about is tight end Tyler Conklin. The reason why I'm bringing up Conklin is this. He's got Kyle Rudolph. He's got Irv Smith Jr. ahead of him. He uh, ended practice one day with a highlight catch you can go find on vikings.com and our social media platform where he did the outstretch catch fingertip, basically fall on his back and roll out. Delvin Cook went nuts, and Delvin Cook was the one that was bringing him up, talking about how he just ended practice and he's looked great. Then we go ahead and we have the practice on Friday, and Conklin did almost an identical thing where they threw it to the sideline and he made a fingertip grab, and he toe-tapped his way into the sideline and fell out. And the ref on the, the call said out of bounds. And every single person that was where we were in the control room and anybody who had a bird's eye view were all shaking their head. And the offense started looking at the, the, the screen to see a replay of it because they all knew that Conklin made that catch too. For me, Tyler Conklin is a guy who does all the work that is asked of him quietly and when he needs to, he can make a play. And I think having a guy like him that's behind a Rudolph and a Irv Smith Jr., hopefully Tyler Conklin can take that next step and get some more playing time this season. I love Tyler Conklin. I think uh, I think the people who are really into who Mr. Mankato is would call you on some rules violations because he's been he's been a an active member of the team in the past. But everybody's talking about Irv. Everybody's talking about Rudy. And to have Conklin back and healthy and ready to roll. Uh, I couldn't be more enthused about that. Let's jump out of the Vikings and into the NFL as uh, NFL.com did their 2020 award predictions. Uh, uh, comes from NFL.com and NFL Network. They pulled 35 of their experts to get their takes on who the 2020 award winners would be when the season comes to an end. A uh, little bit of Viking love, a minimal amount of Viking love that we'll get to. But we'll start with MVP, and I'll give you the run-through, and you tell me if, uh, if they're missing anybody, if you like it, if you don't like it. For MVP, it's a landslide. 21 votes to Mahomes, Deshaun Jackson in second, Lamar Jackson and Russell Wilson in third, and then a tie for fifth at Brady, Breeze, Derek Carr, which is a surprising name, Cam Newton, and Dak Prescott. Those guys each got one vote. 
I don't know who voted for Derek Carr, but I wouldn't trust him with my money or anything like that. So, but yeah, I mean, you look at Patrick Mahomes, you saw what he did in the Super Bowl, and uh, that's probably where I go. You would probably expect for Lamar Jackson to have a few more votes, but that would probably be my only my only issues there. My favorite name on the list, the one that I, I do, who do I think it's going to be? Patrick Mahomes. Who do I want it to be? I mean, other than a Minnesota Viking, if we take the Vikings out of this. Cam Newton. Oh, what a, like, you want to talk about, I don't know if you guys saw this, Bill Belichick spewed positivity the other day about Cam Newton in a way that he rarely does. And, and, and he did it in such a specific way, talking about his work ethic. Basically everything that you've heard about Cam in the last couple of years where fans have complained about him, Belichick basically pushed it all the other direction and said, you're wrong. This guy's a great dude. This guy works really hard, and not just on the things that he's good at, but on the things that he needs to get better at. So I think it's going to be Mahomes, Jay, but how fun would it be to be Cam Newton? That would, that, that would be an amazing dynamic given the offseason stories. That was actually going to be my pick here on this one, saying, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is the leader, and, and given what he did before, you can't pick against him. But for me, Cam getting one vote on this list – is something that I think he is 100% the dark horse. And I think Cam is the guy that he's on a motivated team with a motivated coach and a motivated player to show that all three of those groups we're not done yet and we're not gone. I think Cam, a motivated Cam Newton with a coach behind him saying he's got all the tools that it, that it takes to be a top tier quarterback. I think that is a recipe for success when it comes to not only Cam, but the Patriots. And if they have any shot this year, it's Cam Newton basically leading that team from the front. And that was that was going to be my pick was Cam Newton on this one. 2020 Offensive Player of the Year. The number one vote getter is Christian McCaffrey with six votes. Mahomes gets five votes, but then it is our boy Dalvin Cook getting four votes in third. And, you know, there's some other people below it here, a bunch of more running backs, Lamar Jackson, blah, 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 blah. But this, I love this pick for Dalvin Cook. And this this could be that year. You know, if, if the offensive line, like we keep talking about, takes a step upwards, if everything gels together, and if Dalvin is healthy for an entire season, you know, he is primed. He seems like that guy that's sitting on one of those magical seasons. If things fall into place correctly, he's a guy who you could turn around and go, did he just run for 1,800 yards? You could have a monster of a year here. Absolutely. It's always, uh, you know how much I love Mr. Gary Kubiak and how much I've talked about his top five run offenses over like every And he loves that you call him Mr. He's such a Mr. He's not like, you know, just look at him. You hear him talk. He's got a little accent going on. I love him. For people who've never seen Chris Corso's face before, he has the fresh, shiny face of a really exuberant nine-year-old. So I do think it makes sense that he calls every, honestly, the fact that you don't call me Mr. Cy is shocking. (laughs) So yes, if you could keep calling all the coaches Mr., that would be great. So you were saying about Mr. Gary Kubiak? Mr. Gary Kubiak it loves his running backs, and he will feature Mr. Dalvin Cook all year long. And Mr. Dalvin Cook is on a contract year, which I think also plays into this 2020 Offensive Player of the Year. And, Jay, is, are you going to deviate from that at all? I mean, having Mr. Gary coaching <laughs> and uh, a contract year in place here, it's like I said, everything seems to be coming together for Dalvin to make – a. And, you know, like we always say, this is a team sport. But if Dalvin has a huge year, given the way this offense is built, 
that means this team is going to have a successful year. I don't see a lot of situations where Dalvin Cook goes for 1,600 yards, and this isn't one of the best teams in the National Football League. Agreed. And, you know, we went back a couple of weeks ago and looked at what Gary Kubiak's numbers have been when he's an offensive coordinator. And one of the big things we, we focused on there was just talking about how not only do running backs get the yards on the ground, but they also get them through the air. And Delvin Cook is built for that. And all offseason, we heard about how Delvin Cook is, is kind of the key cog of this offense. And if Delvin, like you said, stays healthy, a Gary Kubiak offense is primed for him. And I think Delvin being number three on this list behind the guy who was the Super Bowl MVP and the the you know leading vote getter for the presumptive 2020 MVP at number two with Patrick Mahomes, and then Christian McCaffrey, who had a thousand and a thousand last year, being third on this list, it puts you in prime real estate to have an insane season if this is actually what we get out of Delvin Cook. Well, let's talk insane. 2020 defensive player of the year doesn't have a single Viking on it. I I do not understand this. I and honestly, I'd have a tough time choosing which Viking you you would put on there. I think you can make an argument for three or four guys that should be at least considered to be one of the because they list they got Aaron Donald. All these are fantastic football players. Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Nick Bosa, Chandler Jones, Cam Jordan, Khalil Mack, Devin White, Joey Bosa, Minka Fitzpatrick, Patrick Pearson or Peterson, J.J. Watt, and Chase Young. Fantastic, fantastic football players. But are you going to try to tell me that Daniil Hunter doesn't belong in that group? You're, you're going to try to tell me that – because this is a lot of defensive linemen here. This is a lot of defensive linemen. There is no world where Daniil Hunter's name, for me personally – and that's not even me being a homer. It's just me watching a dude play football. There's no world where he's not on this list as a, as a potential candidate going into the season. Yeah, I mean, he's grew, just continued to grow and get better every single year, and I don't see how you wouldn't put him on this list, and I don't see how Eric Kendricks, who just tackles everyone in his path, is not on this list. I guess linebackers don't really get this uh, this sort of award unless you're like a Ray Lewis or a Brian Urlacher, but I would consider he would probably be second on my list for the Vikings defense. I mean, you got a couple linebackers on this list. I, I will say the other thing, what I'm really looking forward to with Kendricks here is the acclaim started to pick up a little bit last season and into this past off season. And I think what's going to happen with Kendricks is I think he's going to put together another really, really great year this year. And that's, I think people are re- nationally are really going to start noticing what's happening here. Unfortunately, that's the reality with sports. Sometimes it takes a year or two of guys being as special as Eric was last year. And, and I expect him to improve this year. And I think he's going to be a name on the forefront of everybody's lips when we talk about some of the best defenders in the league uh, by the time this season's over. I think one of the problems that all of our defensive guys have right now is there's probably a little bit of a perception that they are a product of the system. That Zimmer system every single year shows up, whether it was stopping the run or defending the pass, our guys, we like we we had the list before. You have top tier guys on every single level of this team. Where Anthony Barr was a superstar two three years ago that everybody loved him, and then you couldn't find him on any of their lists. Following that, you know Kendrick's finally making the top one hundred list this past year. 
Daniil being number 41 and we're all looking at each other going, this guy just broke the 50 sacks at the, the fastest ever in NFL history. Like all of these guys are, are getting their own accolades. But when it comes to the national media, I think that some of the guys just, they look at it and say, well, it's a product of what Zimmer does. And it, it's difficult for them to kind of break that superstar mold in the public perception when some of our games aren't necessarily on national television. So I think if we have a, a, a top tier offense with a lockdown defense, you're going to start to see more and more of these guys become top of mind when it comes to their positions in the NFL. Uh, real quickly, offensive rookie of the year, Justin Jefferson got a little bit of love. He got one vote. No guys on defensive rookie of the year. But now let's talk about the, the dumbest snub job for me. 16 coaches make the 2020 coach of the year candidate list, and none of them are Mike Zimmer. Now, I understand that coach of the year is often based upon a team's performance. If a team goes 14-2, and two, they had eight wins the year before. Yada, 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 yada. But I do not believe that Mike Zimmer, that there is not a single vote for that man. Because it was a good football team last year. But if this team is good this year, if this team puts together 10 wins, 12 wins, 13, if they have a good season, Mike Zimmer will be at the top of that list. For no other reason than I don't know if any Viking fan has looked at our schedule, but boy, oh boy, it is freaking difficult. You come out of the gate this year with five insanely difficult games. Packers, Titans, Seahawks, uh, the Indianapolis Colts, and give me the other one, the Texans. You're talking five incredibly tough matchups. If this team goes on a run, wins a division, and runs into the playoffs, there's no world where Mike Zimmer won't be, won't be at the top of this list, given the challenge that they have in front of them in terms of schedule. Yeah, I mean, it's insane. You, you open up with the Packers, and if you lose that game, you already have one foot down. Like, it's unbelievable how important that game is against the Packers, and then it just doesn't get lighter. I mean, I keep going. The, the worst team we play in the first seven weeks is the Lions, and, and we always know that's always a tough game in division. So Cowboys, Panthers, Bears, Packers, Falcons. I mean, every team, it's going to be a battle. And, I, I mean, I can't You haven't even mentioned the Saints or the Buccaneers. I mean, it is, it is brutal. Yeah, it is a crazy schedule. So, yeah, if we win a lot of games, make it 12 – Throw Mike Zimmer in that in that category. Well, I'll tell you, we win twelve. He's going to be the coach of the year. We win <laughs> ten. He should be considered the coach of the year. Closest he got when I went back and did some research was he was named assistant coach of the year in two thousand nine with the Bengals, and that's the closest he sniffed. And I just think if you look at his numbers, given how much everybody loved Jerry Burns, and he's essentially ahead of Jerry Burns' pace at this point with the same amount of games that they've coached, I think a guy like Mike Zimmer. He he's one that, yeah, he doesn't pay attention to the the experts and what they are saying at the same point. He absolutely pays attention when it comes to feeling like, you know, they're getting the recognition that they deserve not only for what's on the field, but behind the, the scenes in the locker room. And I think a guy like Mike Zimmer, like you said, if he gets to 10 or 12, he'll be in the, the discussion. But if this team with that murderer's row of games that are coming, if this team all of a sudden hits like a 13 and three, and is starting to control playoff positioning and makes a deep run, there's no way you can deny him. 
lists I've seen have had him in that 14 to 16 range. And I just think it's lunacy. You know, Mike just does what Mike does every single season, but it's been this roller coaster up and down for the amount of wins. If he has a sustained season with a lot of wins, I think Mike Zimmer will definitely be at the top of that list. Last one, comeback player of the year, tied for top vote getters, Ben Roethlisberger and Alex Smith. Like we've said, if Alex Smith plays a few snaps, he's he deserves to be the comeback player of the year. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is an interesting one. This is another place where Cam Newton could wind up on top of the hill. You know, Cam Newton starts all 16 games and has a really good year. That's going to be his award. Another interesting couple guys to think about here are Rob Gronkowski, you know, who technically took a year off. It would be a comeback. And A.J. Green, who's been marred with injuries the last couple years. And we all know how fantastic of a football player he is if he puts it together. And a former Viking, you know, Jarek McKinnon. Jarek McKinnon looks healthy in camp. I was watching something on the 49ers website the other day with him in an interview. I mean, he looks healthy, ready to go. And we all know that that dude is a dangerous dude and could have a big year in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Yeah, absolutely. I think you mentioned a lot of guys who had really tough injuries last year. And and Ben Roethlisberger, I think there's a documentary coming out on, on his recovery. I mean, I could see any of those guys winning. And I think this is one where I'd go Cam Newton. I mean, he was counted out. There was no one no one that wanted to sign him. And the Patriots swoop in right before the, the proposed training camp. And he comes in and, and he's there every day and, and wins the starting job. So uh, it could be a former MVP who wins Comeback Player of the Year. I've had people that, that we, we know and, and people from our past who have associations with the Washington football team and they have said when Alex is out there and he's actually playing on that field, he looks really, really, really good to the point where it's not a, a farce to think that he's actually in the running to potentially be a day one starter. I just think if he does that, that is the most insane story of the year. And you might as well clear off a giant chunk of his bookshelf because there's going to be award after award coming from all of these different programs with Alex Smith getting comeback player of the year this season. Well, Viking fans, uh, that brings us to the end of the show. We are, I think I speak for the, the guys here when I say we cannot wait. We cannot wait. We loved camp, but we cannot wait for camp to officially be over. We cannot wait for the season to officially start. Next week, obviously, we're going to dive in on our week one opponent, and we're going to kind of dive in on the NFC North in general and the Viking season as a whole and what we're looking forward to. So next week will be the first week where we really, really get into football and really, really get into the matchups and what the season's going to look like. And, and we absolutely cannot wait for that. Yeah, it starts right away. You have to win this game. It starts right away, baby. You it's can't teach them that. You can't teach them how to start right away. Get into a Corso. <laughs> I'm just saying, like – the the years that we've literally not made the playoffs, we lose to the Green Bay Packers. And the years that we've made the playoffs as a whole, we beat the Green Bay Packers. And we've beaten them a majority of times. I'm throwing it out there again. Majority of times at U.S. Bank Stadium. Only once have we lost to them there. Because I jinxed it last year. Yeah, so why stop? Why why not do it again right now? Great stuff. I love it. You can't jinx things twice. So I love it, Cor. So and you know what? What you just said there about the Vikings beating the Packers and going to the playoffs and not beating the Packers and not going to the playoffs. That's what we in the analytics community call <laughs> a correlation. Uh, I am I'm through the roof excited. As we walk up to the season, check out Mike Zimmer's presser from Tuesday where he addressed his thoughts on the addition of Ngakwe. 
Uh, Adam Thielen also talked on Tuesday. You know, Chris mentioned this. He addressed Riley Reef's importance to the culture. Uh, you know, everything we're doing right now on Vikings.com with VEN, all the content, follow us on the social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, YouTube, all of it. Uh, we can't wait. It's been a great Verizon Vikings training camp, but we're ready for football. Uh, guys, last thought to get out of here. Chris? I got nothing. I think we summed it up. Can't Thank wait. you, Mr. Chris. That was very good. You can't teach them that, folks. You can't. You just can't teach him how to close a show. Good job, Mr. Chris. Mr. J? Saturday. Check out Vikings.com and all of our social media on Saturday when final cutdowns will happen. I know that we've got uh, some of our normal Vikings radio network and, and Viking favorites that are going to go through and discuss the final cutdowns of the roster. So make sure to pay attention to what's going on this Labor Day weekend on Saturday. S-A-T-U-R-D-A-Y. Night. Night. Have a good time, everybody, and we will see you next week.